Hey there, boss. This is Jeff Mendelson, host of the One Big Tip podcast. And I am so excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program, where I teach you how to fast track your lead gen by having more conversations with your targeted clients, even if you have no list, audience, or paid ads. Head on over to agentsofpod.com slash hero, and let me show you how to be the superhero in your own business. I am also actively seeking guests for this podcast. If you know someone who is currently six figures or more in their business and they have an actionable, tangible, and measurable tip to share, please let them know about it. Just go to onebigtip.com slash guest for information on how to be a guest. I can't wait to hear from you. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the One Big Tip Podcast. My guest today is Jamin Warren. Jamin is the CEO and founder of 256, a strategic consulting consultancy that helps brands engage in the world of gaming. His work helps companies reach the right gaming audience on the right platform with the right message. Gamers are consumers and potential customers, and Jamin has made it his mission to give brands the research, strategy, and execution they need to reach gamers with an authentic and natural voice. This is going to be a really great conversation today because I... I used to think of myself as a gamer until I clocked in how much I actually game and it's really not that much. So I'm not sure if I'm actually in that population or not, but (laughs) at the end of the day, you know, it's like I taught my kids how to do it. You know, they're all about Roblox and uh, Minecraft. So they're probably a little bit more into it than I am. And I'm just really excited to have this conversation today. So Jamin, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So I would like to learn a little bit more about your background, right? How you got into this, why, why gaming in particular, and what is it that makes you so amazing at it? Yeah. Well, my background, um, after college, I was a reporter at the Wall Street Journal. I covered arts and entertainment for them for about five years. And the timing of that was really interesting because this was like 2006, 2007, 2008. So there were a bunch of new game consoles that were coming out. So you had things like the you know, Nintendo Wii, you had the PlayStation 3, the Xbox 360, on top of things like the Kindle Store was available, the App Store. You started having digital distribution platforms that were launching or were maturing. And so what was interesting was that you were starting to see this really big expansion of the number and types of people who were getting access to games. Gaming at that point was already a really big industry. And so I thought, hey... I'm a culture reporter. I'll just write about games the same way I write about everything else. Went to my editor and was like, hey, I want to write about video games. And he was like, I don't get this video game thing, which (laughs) I get now. I'm more sympathetic to, you know, that point of view now. But like any disgruntled 20 something, I was like, I'll start my own magazine, which I did. And it was called Kill Screen. We focused on independent games. And uh, around, uh, around that time, we started getting more calls from like brands and agencies that were interested in the game space but they weren't really sure how to plug in. And myself, I never worked in an agency before, so I didn't really have an agency background. I wasn't really sure about like what kind of services I could offer them. And so we started 256 basically to help service brands and uh, brands and agencies that were interested in getting into the space. So we do research strategy uh, and consultative execution. So we're really interested in helping folks kind of take that next step. So when you're having that conversation with someone and they say, I don't get this games thing, just like my editor all those years ago, that's the place where we can be helpful for brands, helping them step in. 
So help us out. How big is this market yeah. in order to keep you employed? I mean, there's got to be, a, you know, a, 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 there is some serious money behind it. Yeah, right? There are some the, the serious marketing dollars. And what happens is that you have a lot of serious, passionate people, both who are producing it and those that consume it. Tell us a little bit about, you know, what those demographics look like. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the estimates are there's, you know, between two and three billion gamers on the planet. So we're moving out of a world where people ask, do you play games? And into one where people ask like, hey, what games do you play? And that's really exciting. There is a really big generational divide. So um, if you look at folks, you know, basically Gen Z, millennials, I'm a cusper, I'm kind of in between two different generations. Um, the number of folks who are playing games, if you're under 18, it's like 99%. For millennials, it's like 70, 80%. And then it goes down as you start to get older, but then it actually goes back up again when people start to retire. So one of the biggest growth areas has actually been gamers um, in their 60s and 70s. The, the AARP actually put out their own research on the increase of you know gamers over the age of 70, which is really cool. Um, you know, From an industry dollar standpoint, there's over $100 billion that are spent on, on gaming annually worldwide. And, and one of the bigger things here is that the number of companies that generate more than a billion dollars in a year went from just a handful about 10 years ago to this year, there's about 30 companies. So it's not just that the, you know, that the number of players, the number of slices in the pie is increasing, the overall size of the pie continues to go up. So in the macro, I think we're seeing it in lots of different ways, whether, you know, whether it's dollar signs, but you also are seeing crossover things. So obviously the popularity of like the last of us television show is a big marker of that super Mario brothers movie just opened this weekend, did pretty well. So I think games that have always been a very large commercial industry, but the cultural, uh, cultural uh, proficiency, people's cultural understanding of it, that's taken time and that's been on a lag. So that's starting to basically those two areas are really starting to intersect, intersect now. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, why this is important, right? You know, I was telling you a little bit in the pre-call that, you know, I'm good for one game every two years, Call yeah. of Duty, right? That's it. I don't buy any of the other ones. Uh, I just, I, you know, I'm just, I, I, A, I just don't have a lot of time for it, but B, it's, you know, like for me, it's therapy, right? And the thing yeah. is, is that now these games, you know, they're a hundred dollars to get, right? Plus they are hitting you up for all kinds of in-app purchases, right? Sure. So yeah. I can see going down the rabbit hole of spending at least a couple hundred dollars more per month just to level up and to, you know, and to be great at these games. So the money is definitely there. The, you know, the, um, the market has already been proven. And every once in a while I see, you know, like these crossovers, like you said, with the Super Mario Brothers or when when King Kong and Godzilla came out, you know, there was a, sure. th there, there was like two weeks of crossover where King Kong is also trying to level this island and you're trying to beat him up, you know, with your, you know, with your little weapons, things like that. But how, how do you then get to talk to, you know, regular mainstream brands? Sure. You know, like, a, I don't know, like Gatorade, uh, you know, Starbucks, Nike, things like that. And to get them actually in the game, if you will, and, you know, get them to start, th um, to start thinking, how can we reach this particular audience? What yeah. does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I have found that one of the indicators of success to marketing to gamers, you need three things. Um, you need to have a marketing fit, which means that you need to have a, a deep understanding of like what your basically what your passions and your abilities are as a as a marketing team. You need to have an audience fit. That's another big one I see where sometimes brands 
have a perception of who they think their audience is in the world of gaming, but that doesn't actually match who their customers are. And then the last one's actually really important, which is organizational fit. So that one I really underestimated when I was getting started, which is that you need to have um, consistency across a marketing organization that gaming is the place where you're trying to go or participate in. Maybe it's not the whole of your marketing, but it does need to be consistent. So if you, I see it happen one of two ways where you either have a younger cohort of employees that want to do stuff in gaming, but there isn't buy-in from senior leadership, or it's the other way around. We have senior executives, the CMO, C-suite, their kids are playing games. They're like, what's our strategy with gaming? And it feels like a top-down sort of thing. So I find that like the most successful client relationships that we've had, there's two big things I'd say. One is that the person that we're sitting across the table from has some kind of connection to gaming. It's not opportunistic. Ideally, it's personal. So it's not just through, say, their kids or through family members. It's something that they do. They don't need to play games all the time, obviously, but it should be something that they have a, you know, a personal connection to. And then the second big thing is making sure that the organization is actually committed to it. So those are when you're looking at big organizations like that, that's really important that they understand. Because I think we've um, the good news is, is that we've moved past the stage. When I was starting my career, I often was in an evangelistic mode, whereas often having to convince someone that gaming was a big deal. And so coming out of the pandemic, I think that that ship has sailed. I don't think that that's something that I need to argue about. But figuring out like how do I as a brand or as a brand manager, how do I leverage the resources of our organization to do something that's interesting and unique? That's a bit tougher. So I, I'd say um, making sure that, you know, if you're, for big brands like that, there does need to be some consistency. If it's just driven by FOMO, it won't stick and it won't uh, lead to like long term or like lasting, uh, like lasting change. So let's talk a little bit about what happens when it works. Right. So, you know, like, uh, like you said, they fit all that criteria before they come into you. You're, you're able to, you're able to put that square peg into a square hole and to match them up with a game that, uh, that it does actually make sense. What is the net result then of when that, uh, of when that synergy happens, you know, both for you, but also for the client and the gamers themselves? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think measuring return like ROI or um, ROAS or whatever that might be for you, depending on what your metrics are, I think sometimes can be really challenging when, when you look at gaming. So a lot of the activity that you see uh, out in market really focuses on uh, really brand building exercises. So you look at like in-game activations, so things like Fortnite or Minecraft, or you do something where you do a partnership with gaming. One of the places where we've been really interested is looking at, you know, basically like mid-funnel. So after you've already determined that you're doing something in the world of gaming, what are ways in which you can be creating or strategically creating content to generate a return? So we do a lot of work with Intel, for example. Um, the work that we do with them spans a, a couple different areas, whether that's consulting with them on like social campaign work or uh, helping them develop editorial content to educate people on how to build their first PC. That's been a really interesting area for us is like if you've already established um, a reason to play, so to speak, in the space, figuring out how to pay that off for people is really, really important. So that's one where I, I feel like often brand, if you're looking for something very practical or actionable, I think a lot of times we, when we're talking about marketing to gamers, really focus, we often only focus on these really big, expensive, buzzy activations and not the, you know, more, you know, workmanlike day-to-day -day activities. So whether that's doing stuff on social, 
or uh, moderating a community on Discord or doing something on Instagram or even things like in-game advertising is another place where you see, you don't see as many brands play in that space. You often see gaming companies spend time with in-game advertising, but there's a whole universe of much more turnkey stuff. So I think there's a lot of like, quote unquote, boring stuff that you can do to market to gamers that's really interesting and exciting. Um, you just need to sort of make sure you don't gravitate too much to like what's, you know, what's going to be you know, the big, big expensive thing that happens like once or twice a year in the gaming space. So what happens when uh, uh, when you have a company that wants to participate in game? Uh, so I'm a, uh, now I'm thinking metaverse or yeah, in-universe yeah. type of, uh, you know, type of actions where they're actually playing alongside or playing against you, for example. Sure. You know, you, you know, in, in, Intel against this uh, against this squad of Call of Duty soldiers, things like that. Sure. How, uh, how does that work? How do uh, how do companies then? Uh, you know, sort of ascertain, you know, like how to, you know, how to get to and then spend that digital currency in order yeah. to build up brand recognition there? Yeah, that's a great question. So one of the interesting things about the world of gaming is that say, unlike say like film and TV or the music industry, they have set patterns and ways of working. So if you're a brand and you want to do something with a musician, for example, they're often templates. There's like you know, certain ways that you can engage. So it's everything from doing um, like an experiential, a pop-up at a, you know, say Coachella or something like that, or you feature, you know, the musician or, you know, the actor in a, you know, a co-branded partnership or something like that. With gaming, it's much, much wider because then oftentimes it's, it's um, unique to the specific title that you're interested in. So there's a couple things that you need to do before you get started. Um, first and foremost is make sure that your audience actually plays the game. This sounds like really, this sounds really, really simple, but you'd be surprised how often I, I had a woman come to me. She was running a fashion label and she was really interested in doing something in Fortnite. And I was asking her about her audience and she's like, uh, they're in their 30s and 40s. It's mostly like working professional women. I'm like, that's great. That audience plays games. They're probably not playing a ton of Fortnite. I'm not saying that's not a place where your audience isn't, but let's look at some other spaces. Mobile tends to be a really popular place to play there. There are other titles that you could look at. So that's the first thing. Um, the second big thing is make sure that you understand what you're bringing to the table. You have to remember that game companies, when they're doing things, the, the bulk of their revenue is not coming from advertising. So they're not looking at, um, they don't think of themselves as media properties, the way that like film, TV, television, you know, OTT, the way they think about that. So th their chief priority is making sure that players are as end users have the best experience possible. So you need to be thinking about what can I do if I'm bringing something to the table, it's not just about getting your product in front of a set of gamers. You need to be asking like, what am I going to do that's going to improve their quality of life? And so when you look at the successful partnerships on things like Fortnite, for example, that's why you see a lot of IP branded entertainment stuff is because that's stuff that adds value. So if you get to play as you know your favorite anime character in a Fortnite game, like that's great for the IP holder. That's also great for players as well. So I think those are two big things that you need to really make sure that you've got nailed down before you jump into the game space. I think the thing that brought me into Fortnite to play with my kids is when I got to be the Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, uh, you know, that was like the perfect bridge. It was brilliant. It was like, okay, now I identify. Yeah. You know, yeah, everything absolutely. else was some, you know, with some cute chick with a hammer, you know, <laughs> things like that. Like, no, like, it, like, why am I here? Right. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, it, it totally makes sense. And you just need to make, and that's why the IP stuff works so well. I mean, like if you were an entertainment brand, like getting into games, it's much easier to do that. But if you're like, you know, if you're a pizza hut or something like that, like you might, have less to offer in that respect. So you need to be creative about how you think about doing a, a brand engagement in that sense. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, Jamin, can you let everyone know how they can reach out to you, 
learn more about your company and how can they and how can they how can they get in contact with you directly? Yeah, absolutely. You can go to two five six our website. So that's t w o f i v e s i x dot c o. So two five six the number is spelled out. We have a uh, biweekly newsletter that we send out, and then LinkedIn. I'm pretty easy to find. Jamin J a m i n Warren. I'm pretty sure I'm the only <laughs> the only one on there. So reach out over LinkedIn. Those are the two best places to get in touch. Amazing. Jamin, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a lot of fun. I love talking about this stuff and I really appreciate you breaking it down for us. No worries. Have a good one. Thank you so much for listening to the One Big Tip podcast. If you're a six to eight figure entrepreneur, business coach, or speaker who would like to be on this show, we need to talk. The audience for this podcast is hungry for experts and professionals who want to share their knowledge with this world. So if you're ready to share your actionable and measurable one big tip, please go to onebigtip.com slash guest and let's get your story out there. I am also crazy excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program. With this program, I show busy entrepreneurs the strategies that I use to have warm conversations with my dream clients, keep my calendar book solid, and consistently have potential clients at the ready, all anxiously waiting to speak with me every single week. Head on over to agentsofpod.com slash hero and let me show you how to be the superhero in your business today. Lastly, I have a huge ask for you. Could you please share this with your audience on social media? The stories and connections that I make on this podcast have helped thousands of people, sometimes in the most profound ways. And you never know if your small action today will be the one that kickstarts your friend, a family member, or even yourself into taking massive action and starting the next multi-million dollar business. It'll be your way of just paying it forward. My name is Jeff Mendelson. You can find me on all the major social channels like LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening.